Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are getting to the last slate that we're going to talk about on here for college football week one. We're going to be talking about the Saturday night slate. The 7 p.m. slate on DraftKings. If you're playing on FanDuel, a lot of the games from the main slate carry on over to this one. So um, if you have not already and you're playing on FanDuel, go ahead and check out my main slate preview, which is in the channel feed on YouTube and on the audio feed on the podcast as well. So check that out if you have not already. But... It's college football, y'all, which means it's time to talk about some college football DFS. There is money to be won by playing this weekend, and we are here to break down the Saturday night slate for you. We're going to break down the games and what situations and what games you should be targeting, as well as our favorite plays at the quarterback, running back, and wide receiver positions. Now, college football is a weird sport to play DFS in. First off, There's less of an edge in college football than probably anywhere else playing DFS right now. There's not a whole lot of people using optimizers. There's not a whole lot of people that have all the information at their disposal. And there's a lot of lineups that the second contest start on Saturday. There's going to be some lineups that are drawing dead because they played some guys that are backups and they didn't even know it. So I've done a lot of research and I'm here to present it to you guys on this episode so that way you guys can be more informed and you guys can have an edge Saturday night. But college football is weird. There's some teams that haven't released depth charts yet. There's some injury news that's very, very murky. And so if there's anything that goes contradictory to what I've said here on this episode, I'm going to try to tweet it out or I guess exit out now, but I'll get it out there on social media. So that way you guys can update your lines before lock starts. Um, it, you know, college football is a weird one. Like you're going to win some, you're going to lose some tonight. I had to coach a JV football game, which is probably why my voice sounds like crap, but I didn't get to late swap out Brent Keith for Utah before the, the slate started. So I had some lineups that were drawn dead for that reason, even though it looked like he was going to play. It's college football, weird stuff like that's going to happen. So anyway, with that being said, let's go ahead and present the research. Let's go ahead and start this analysis by breaking down all the games themselves and what teams and games you should be targeting for this Saturday night slate. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right, so on this night slate, we do have a few projected blowouts and a few projected shootouts. Now, when I say blowout, that just means that there's one team that's favored to win by 20 or more points. It's likely that there's going to end up being um, backups playing in the second half, and it's very likely that the team on the other side of it doesn't end up with a whole lot of action. When I say shootouts, that means I'm looking at a game that the over-under is more than 50 points, and it's a fairly tight point spread, and both teams are going to be able to get up and down the field and score some points. Let's go ahead and highlight the blowouts first. Fortunately, there is not a whole lot of FBS versus FCS action on this slate, like DraftKings seemed to put in the Thursday, Friday, and the main Saturday slates. So we've got all teams here on this slate that we're going to be seeing time and time again for the rest of the season. So it's good to go ahead and learn these names and learn these offenses now. So the first big blowout on Saturday is Texas A&M taking on New Mexico. Texas A&M's 38 and a half point favorites. They're implied 43 points in this game. So that Texas A&M offense, even though it's one that didn't have a whole lot of success in SEC, play last season is definitely one that can put up some points here in week one. Alabama is 39 and a half point favorites. They are implied 45 points against Middle Tennessee State. If you're doing the quick math there, that means Middle Tennessee State is implied six and a half. So um, you're looking at a situation here where Alabama is going to roll. Alabama is a team that gets a lot of guys involved. So even if they do get to 45 points, it's very unlikely that it's through the result of one guy. Now, a few shootouts that we need to talk about is UTSA versus Houston. That is like the first big time shootout, really kind of 
of the year. We've got two teams that love to put points on the board. The game featured over 60 total points last season. The over-under set at 59 and a half, and UTSA is one and a half point favorites. So it's projected to be about uh, 31 to 29 UTSA. So there's going to be some points in that game. And really, looking at it from a DraftKings perspective, there's a lot of guys from that game that you can get into your lineups for not a whole lot of cost at all. The other big-time shootout on the slate is the Battle of the Carolinas. North Carolina taking on South Carolina. This Carolina defense got absolutely shredded numerous times last year, and the Carolina offense, you know, put up points to match it pretty much every game. The over/under in this one is 30 or 64 and a half. It's projected to be 33 to 31 UNC. So you do have a pretty solid matchup there, where you're going to have some points being scored all over the place. We do have one game where we've got an FBS team versus an FCS opponent, and that is Kansas State. So that's a one offense that is probably going to be able to put up some points on the board. Now let's go ahead and take a look at the quarterback position on DraftKings. So the guy at the top is the guy we got to talk about, Drake May. So he's going to be popular. He's going to come in at high ownership. But like we've said in our early season college football podcasts already, playing high-owned guys in college football is not as detrimental as playing high-owned guys in other sports. First off, the, the fact that you can play a super flex and a flex gives you a lot of options for building out your lineup and definitely plenty of places where you can mix in lower-owned guys. But second off, so a lot of these guys in college football are going to be high-owned for a reason. It's because they're obvious plays, because they're very good at football, and they're going to put up a lot of fantasy points. So I'm not saying play all the high-owned guys, but I'm saying if you want to you know, kind of stake your claim on a few high-owned guys and mix in some lower own options elsewhere. That's probably the best way to do it when it comes to college football DFS. Pretty much every slate, we've seen this so far, there's been some chalky plays, some high owned guys that have hit and some high owned plays that haven't. Drake May, I think, is going to be one of those high-owned guys that does, in fact, hit. He was very, very good last year in his first year starting as Carolina's quarterback. And the only like concern I think you could have is how he finished the season. So he was under 25 fantasy points only once in his first nine games, but then he was under that same total 25 in each of his last four games. So that's kind of nitpicking a little bit, but it's definitely not what we want to see in terms of a guy not ending the season well. I think you can attribute that to a little bit of the health of his receiving core was not exactly great through all last year. They didn't really get a whole lot of consistency with guys playing and guys not playing. Um, and so, I don't, I don't know. I think that's just the one small area of concern. If you're looking to fade him, that's probably going to be the stat that you, you could go with. Um, he's not exactly going to have an elite receiving core this year to throw to. Tez Walker, their projected number one wideout, is probably going to have his transfer waiver denied by the NCAA. We could, I can talk about that all day long. I don't think it's a fair situation. But, you know, it's not going to help this Carolina receiving core. So, I, I don't think it's going to be an elite receiving core for Drake May, but I don't see any reason that he can't get back to the point he was at at the early part of last season and put up fantasy points in bunches. Jalen Milrow is going to be taking over for Bryce Young as the quarterback at Alabama. So Jalen Milrow did get two starts last year. He started against Texas A&M, and then the Arkansas game, I do not believe he started, but I do believe he played over half of that game. So I, I would almost count that as a start. And in both of those games, he scored 21.7 fantasy points. He did a lot of it with his legs, averaging 87 rushing yards in those two games. But I definitely think he has upside in this matchup. You know, you're looking at a game against Middle Tennessee State where Alabama is going to have a clear talent advantage and they're going to be able to run the ball. They're going to be able to throw the ball. And so why not get you a quarterback who can do both? And 
you know, with Alabama, we don't really know a whole lot about their running back and receiver rooms right now. We do know who the starting quarterback is. So why not go ahead and play the one guy you know for certain is going to score on an offense that's going to for sure score a lot of points. The next guy that I do want to talk about is going to be Spencer Rattler of South Carolina. So Spencer Rattler improved as the season went on, as kind of sideways as his entire college career had been. Um, he really started to turn around at the end of last season. So after about the Charlotte game and then really looking at the end of the season, the last three games, he really turned it around. Um, he averaged 32.3 fantasy points over those last three games. That's a pretty good stretch of football from a guy that's at an affordable price tag. And really, I think here, the big thing we want to point out is North Carolina's defense is not great. North Carolina's defense gave up 24 or more points in 12 of their 14 games last season. South Carolina is implied over 30 points in this game. And if they get to over 30 points, I would have to think it's going to be Rattler throwing for at least two touchdowns, probably 250 or so yards. And so I just really think that Rattler's going to be a guy who can get home. I would have no problem if you decided to onslaught this game and start off with Drake May and Spencer Rattler. It would create a little bit of a salary crunch on the rest of your lineup, but I do think it can be done because there's a lot of cheap receiving options for Carolina that you could add in. And there's a few cheap options at receiver in general that you could add into that lineup. Michael Pratt of Tulane is another guy that I want to talk about. He could be in for a big day against South Alabama. Um, Tajay Spears, who was their bell cow back last year, is gone. So I think that you might see this Tulane offense open it up just a little bit more than they did last season. And Michael Pratt was a guy that, you know, Tulane was pretty good last year. And they had quite a few double-digit games. And in those double-digit wins, excuse me, and in those double-digit wins, Michael Pratt was really good. He had two... Let me rephrase. He averaged 30 fantasy points in double-digit wins last season, and then he had two games over 40 fantasy points that was a double-digit win, and another game over 35 fantasy points that was a double-digit win. So when Tulane wins big, Michael Pratt tends to go big, and they're projected to win by more than a touchdown in this one, and I kind of think that this could be shaping up to be another good day for Michael Pratt through the air for the Tulane Green Wave. I also we'll point out another game that I think you can stack from, or I think you can onslaught and play both quarterbacks from, and that is going to be the Houston and UTSA game. I like both quarterbacks for this game. Donovan Smith for Houston is going to be a Texas Tech transfer who is earning the starting job this week here at Houston. And we know this Houston offense loves to throw the football pretty much ever since I was born. Houston's been throwing the football over the yard, no matter who's played quarterback, whether it's Case Keenum to Clayton Toon and to whoever else has been there. They just, they love to throw the football. It's what they do. It's what Dana Holgerson does. Um, and pretty much last year, Clayton Toon is their starting quarterback, averaged 30 fantasy points per game. And he scored 32 fantasy points against Texas San Antonio. So why can Donovan Smith not get to that total? He's a talented guy. He's in a good offense in a game that's going to score points. And he's a good deal cheaper than a lot of the other top options on the slate. I think Donovan Smith makes a lot of sense this week. But I also think his opponent, Frank Harris, makes even more sense. So last year, when Texas San Antonio played Houston in the opener, he scored 41.78 fantasy points. It's a lot. Like, that's enough to win you a slate if he's in your lineup. And he averaged 30 fantasy points a game last season. So it's not like that was a super big outlier performance. Like, he had two, three other games over 40 fantasy points. And he's returning two of his top three wide receivers. And I just don't see why not, right? Like, you're looking at a guy in an elite offense who has some good receivers to throw to, has a lot of his offensive line back, and had success against this team last year. I see no reason that he can't get to at least 25 to 30 fantasy points at a minimum. 
for this game against Houston. Now, I got to be honest, for this slate, I'm probably not going a whole lot lower than Frank Harris at the quarterback position. I think there's enough value to be had elsewhere that I think you can just avoid going down to the values at the quarterback position. I think you can play the guys at the top and build your lineup out with values at running back and wide receiver. And, it, you know, also the top options are the top options for a reason. Like they're, they've all had track records of being good. They have all had, um, let me think the best way to word this. They all have good matchups. <laughs> like they're like, no, there are no defenses on this slate that are, that put a whole lot of fear in me that I'm legitimately thinking of playing a quarterback against, right? Like Kansas State and Texas A&M, you can argue they have good defense. You can argue Penn State has a good defense, but I'm not lining up to play Southeast Missouri or New Mexico's quarterback here on this slate. Now, also, I do want to point out, I'm not going to be able to cover every single player on this slate. Um, so, if you are wondering about my opinion on one of these players, there are other places you can find me. First off, um, I do have a Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. I guess I have an X now, an X account. I X. I don't. I don't know. Elon Musk ruined Twitter. But anyway, follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. Um, I will, you know, tweet out opinions. If you, you got specific questions, you can DM me. I'm also in the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description on YouTube. There's a lot of smart guys who play a lot of college football DFS in there, and we talk out the slate. Generally, we're, we're probably texting in there most of the slate as we're, you know, sweating out our lineups. It's a lot of fun, a lot of intelligent, good conversations in there. And then I also write a full-fledged article for every main slate, but I don't write for free. So on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks, you can get access to my long Long form articles where I talk my favorite plays, ownership, situational, you know, plays, and the picks that I've been sharing in the Patreon. Cross my fingers, they've been pretty good so far. I'm not going to bet a thousand. I'm not going to get a hundred percent of my picks right. But if you want to read a long form article from me, that is where you can find the long form article. Now, also. To get the best offers and promo codes on any DFS player prop or sportsbook site that you might be signing up for, hey, maybe you watch this and you want to try props on underdog or prize picks or somewhere like that, or, or you want to sign up for a new sportsbook and hit take the over on some of these games, head on over to signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks. Um, you will get the best offers and promo codes synced to your region. It'll link to your location and give you the best sites that are available for people in your region. I know sports gambling laws are different in all kinds of states, but Sign Up Expert will give you the best ones that you can sign up for. And it also shows me some support as well if you sign up through my links. So if you're looking to try out a new DFS or sportsbook site, give it a shot. All right, now back to the action at the running back position. So running back is a little bit weird on this slate. So Nick Singleton and Catron Allen are teammates on Penn State. And they're two of the top three options at the running back position. Last year, they were pretty much a 50-50 split, especially down the stretch. On the season, Singleton uh, had 156 carries, and Catron Allen had 167. They both played all 13 games. It, it's just a situation where I think both of them can do well. If you want to kind of hit your wagon to one of them, I have no problem with it. If you're a multiple lineup type of guy and you want to play some with Singleton and play some with Allen, I have no problem with it. I think that they're both going to get home like and have solid games. But I got to be honest, in a slate like this, I would rather look for guys that are going to be bell cows and guys that are going to get a lot of opportunity and guys that are going to have good matchups than play a guy that is going to be in a committee, albeit a good committee that he's already had success in. Like there's worse committees you could play guys in, but I'd also rather have a guy who's not going to be a part of a committee. Next up is Jace McClellan of Alabama. So 
Jameer Gibbs is gone. And Jameer Gibbs was like a usage monster last year in the Alabama backfield, especially because of all the you know receptions he got in the passing game. And so McClellan did see some use down the stretch of last season. He did have some good games. He had one game over 30 fantasy points. But I don't know quite what to do with this one. We've seen Nick Saban in Alabama use kind of, you know, a, a committee of running backs almost every year he's been at Alabama. And, and so it just makes it really hard to project. I do think McClellan's going to be the lead of the committee. I do think he's going to see a good deal of usage, but it would not shock me if they came out here and gave 40% of the carries to Roy Dell Williams. Like it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So for as much as you have to pay up for Jason McClellan, I actually think he's not going to be super highly owned, even though you know, he is the Alabama running back. I think that a lot of people are going to opt to play guys who have more clear lines to workloads than a guy in the Alabama backfield. Next up, the guy that I got to talk about is Sean. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I skipped one. Taj Brooks of Texas Tech. So Taj Brooks should, should be like the undisputed lead back at Texas Tech this year. Uh, Sir Roderick Williams was the guy that, or was it Sir Roderick Thompson? It was Sir Roderick something. I know his name was Sir Roderick. I remember that. He was, you know, kind of competing for carries and touches with Taj Brooks last year, and he is gone. Um, and so Taj Brooks should be able to be the lead back here in this offense. He's got a great matchup against Wyoming. And with that minimal competition for carries, I kind of think he's in a better situation than all the guys at the top. However, of all the running backs priced 6K or more, the guy that is going to be in my lineup is Treshawn Ward. He's a transfer from Florida State, so you know he's talented because – I mean, Florida State doesn't really play guys that aren't that talented. He was able to average almost 12 fantasy points a game last year at Florida State, and that was as a part of a committee averaging less than 10 carries per game when you add it all up. So I'd really like Treshawn Ward at Kansas State because Kansas State, if you remember last year, they used the crap out of Deuce Vaughn. Like, I'm talking, they give it to Deuce Vaughn on first down, second down, and then on third down, they throw him a screen pass. Like, this offense really used the running back position when Deuce Vaughn was there. And so if they're looking to continue that trend, why would they not try it out with Treshawn Ward? Now, Treshawn Ward does have a capable backup. As much as Kansas State used the running backs last year, DJ Giddens did have some successful games. He did spell Deuce Vaughn quite a bit. And so it would not surprise me to see both running backs hit value. I think Giddens would be a great ownership player. Play if you are somebody who tries to play the ownership game, but I really, really like Treshawn Ward for this. Like he's probably the, the high price running back that I'm the most interested in. Now heading down into the 5K running backs, uh, let me make sure I get his name right. Basial Tootin. I think I nailed it. Basial Tootin is a transfer from North Carolina A&T, and he's now at Virginia Tech, and he was a massive success at the FCS level last year at NC A&T. He averaged over 30 fantasy points a game. Do you guys know how hard that is to do at the running back position? Like, that's like B. John Robinson type numbers. He was like the B. John Robinson of FCS football. So pretty much, you've got a guy who was very productive, and I think running back is one of the positions that is easier to translate from the FCS to the FBS level, and he's got a great matchup as West Virginia's taken on Old Dominion. So you got a guy who is a starter, who's been productive in college football, and has a great matchup. No problem playing Basial Tootin this week for Virginia Tech. Now, South Carolina is an interesting one to figure out. They seem to have given the starting running back spot over to DeCarion Joyner, which I have no problem with. He was like very seldom used last year. The guy that was used more last year was Juju McDowell. Like he was, you know, in the action more often. His average points per game were a little worse, but it's because he played more games and he had some games that were kind of pedestrian. So 
you know, maybe Joyner showed something in the offseason that made him leapfrog McDowell. I'm not convinced that this is not going to be a committee. And also, I don't really necessarily think that running the ball is the best way to attack this UNC defense. Mac Brown has done a heck of a lot of recruiting for the front four for this UNC defense and tried to make that front four as good as possible. So I think this UNC defense is more able to be gone at through the air. So I'm kind of good on the South Carolina running backs with me thinking that McDowell is closer to Joyner than the depth chart indicates and thinking that the UNC defense, this is not the place to attack them. Now, speaking of Carolina running back situations, let's talk about the one in North Carolina. So Amarian Hampton was a true freshman last year, and he was pretty good for the North Carolina Tar Heels at the start of the season. But then at the end of the season, Elijah Green and Caleb Hood kind of you know came through and became the main guys. Well, this year, it's an absolute mess. You have Britton Brooks, British Brooks, excuse me. British Brooks is a true freshman coming in, and he's listed as a starter, a co-starter on the depth chart. He is listed as an or starter with Amarian Hampton, who was, you know, of the early six season success last year. I don't know who's going to get more of the carries. I don't. And what I do know, though, is, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter. This is an offense that loves to throw the football. They're going to let Drake May throw it 30 to 40 times. So why would I want to play a back where if they're going to be splitting carries, there's not a whole lot of carries to split. So I'll be honest, as much as I love targeting this UNC and South Carolina game, that's right, I'm not calling South Carolina USC. USC is the Trojans. As much as I want to target this UNC and South Carolina game, I'm going to do it through the air. I'm not going to do it at the running back position. Now, are there some values that can be had that are starters, though? Yes, LaDamian Webb of the South Alabama Jaguars is one of them. He got the ball a lot last year, and game flow didn't really matter a whole lot. They lost to Western Kentucky by over 20 points, and he still got 12 carries for 48 yards, four receptions for 29 yards, and a touchdown, good for about 18 fantasy points. He also had some big-time games where the South Alabama offense was better, and so I don't think Tulane's defense is exactly the 85 Bears out there. And so I think that LaDamia Webb's going to be able to have some success on the ground. And I know he's going to get carries in that offense because he did last year. Now, Tulane is another interesting one. So we talked about how much they named Ty J Spears or how much they used Ty J Spears last year, excuse me. And I don't know who's going to be in the Ty J Spears role. They haven't released an official depth chart yet, which is kind of shady, but it's weird. Speaking of Shady, they've got Shady Clayton Johnson, who might be the starter, who was their change of pace back last year um, in place of Ty J Spears. They've also got Shedro Lewis, who was the starter at Liberty at the running back position last year. If I were just to pick this blindly, not seeing a depth chart, not hearing anything from the coaching staff as to who it's going to be. I would probably prefer to play Shedro Lewis in my lineups on DraftKings because he is 1K cheaper and because he has a little more of a track record at being you know, a, a productive FBS level running back. All right, that does it for the running back position. So let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then let's switch on over and talk about some wide receivers. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the wide receiver position. There were not a whole lot of great value plays at the running back position. So if we want to spend up big at quarterback, we're going to have to find some values here at wide receiver. And I got to say, the top of the board is not super duper appealing in my opinion. I really do like Antoine Wells of South Carolina, though. So 
He is the primary South Carolina receiver that I want to target this week. If you want to play you know, some of the other South Carolina guys, I don't have a problem with it, but I really think he is by and away the best one. He really finished the season strong last year, having two games of over 150 yards, two games of over 35 fantasy points in his last three. The game that he didn't play so well was against Notre Dame, who's one of the best defenses in college football. So I really like how he ended the season. As Spencer Rattler got better as the season went on, so did Antoine Wells, and so... I really like that as a stacking option in a, you know, against North Carolina, who is not a great secondary, not a great pass defense. So Antoine Wells Jr., definitely the deserving top price wide receiver of the night. However, after that, I really don't like a whole lot of the other expensive wide receivers, if I'm being honest. So looking at the Alabama receivers in general, you got Brooks, Burton, Bond, and Prentice, and, you know, Law's probably going to play a little bit as well. Basically, when it comes to Alabama, I don't trust their receiver rotations right now. They're a team that is going to start three receivers, play primarily out of three receiver sets, but they're probably going to play five or six guys because they probably have seven or eight five stars just sitting over there on the bench. That they're going to get snaps and they're going to get looks and they're going to get targets. And so I just don't really like the inconsistency of them. If you want to take a shot and play one in a stack with Jalen Milrow or something like that, I don't mind the idea of playing an Alabama wide receiver. But in general, inconsistent usage, especially at the start of the season amongst this wide receiver room, is enough to keep me away for week one. If you wanted to play one with Milrow, I would probably go with Ja'Cory Brooks. He finished the season really strong catching passes from Bryce Young. But like I said, I just don't really like the situation with these Alabama receivers. So I'm going to avoid it because I think you, there's enough options that you can avoid that situation this week. Now, there is one situation with an expensive receiver that we do got to talk about. That is Allie Jennings of Virginia Tech. We have a revenge game in college football. Allie Jennings transferring over to Virginia Tech from Old Dominion, traveling three hours across the state of Virginia. This is an interesting one because he was a super productive player at Old Dominion, like really productive. And I got to think he's going to want to have a good game against his former team. Just a gut feeling. I also think his former team's not going to want him to show out against them. But he has the profile of a number one wide receiver. He's going to command a lot of targets. And, you know, if there's anybody I'm playing from this Virginia Tech offense, I have no problem playing Tudin. I have no problem playing Allie Jennings as well. Next up, let's talk about the Texas A&M wide receivers. So Texas A&M is a tough team to project because they have four wide receivers who are probably going to play quite a lot of snaps. And all four of them have big playability. All four of them have big game ability. Three of the four Texas Tech starting wide receivers, Stewart, Smith, and Moose Muhammad III, all had games of over 30 fantasy points or more last season. Noah Thomas was the guy who did not, but he does project to be a starter this year. So I, I really don't know what to make of this receiving core, but I don't have a problem, especially if you're playing multiple lineups, taking shots at one of these guys each in a lineup and just seeing if they do break an 80-yard reception for a touchdown and boom, they pay off value instantly. Because these guys are very athletic. They have the game-breaking talent to do that. So I wouldn't have a problem with playing one of them, but just know that it's not a certain situation when you play any of these Texas A&M wide receivers. Now, UNC's wide receiver depth chart, it's a mess. Like, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot right now. It's a mess. So, basically, looking at it, Devontae Walker was a transfer coming over from Kent State, and he was going to be their number one wide receiver. He was, you know, 
going to be this team's guy. You know, the, the Josh Downs rolled from last year. Um, he was going to be their new alpha wide receiver. Well, for whatever reason, the NCAA had initially approved his transfer waiver because it was his second time transferring. And then they went and declined it a month before the season started. I, I'm generally not somebody who rips the NCAA, but how are you going to have this guy practicing and preparing to play for the entire offseason and pretty much right up until the start of training camp, and then you're going to deny him. And that doesn't necessarily help out the other guys on the team either who are planning to have him in this role, and now all of a sudden they're, they're thrust into a different role. I just I, I don't like how the NCAA did business there, if I'm being honest. Now, from there, if Tez Walker does not get his waiver approved and does not play, I don't think he will. J.J. Jones was listed as his backup, and he's a guy who was used sporadically last year. You know, if he caught a bomb, he had a good game, but didn't really do a whole lot else. But he's going to be the next man up if Tez Walker is out. Nate McCollum and Kobe Pesor are listed as co-starters. Nate McCollum played at Georgia Tech last year, and he was pretty solid. He was like the bright spot of their passing game in a passing game that was not very good. So Nate McCollum, productive ACC player, listed as a co-starter with Kobe Pesor. And Kobe Pesor was another guy kind of like J.J. Jones, except he had a little more success. Um, he was he played snaps. He was used. He, was, he caught a pass in almost every game, but just not consistent usage. I would tend to side with McCollum over, the, over Pesor in that you know kind of discussion. But I don't think I would pick McCollum as my top Carolina receiver to play. The Carolina receiver that I want to play is Gavin Blackwell, who is a for sure starter this year. He was young last year. He was pretty good at the start of the season with four for 36 and a touchdown against FAMU in the first game. Decently productive against Georgia State in game two. Now he's a full-time starter, and now he should be able to you know shine with some of that talent that he's been, especially with a full offseason to get better in this system. At the tight end position, Copenhaver and Morales are listed as the starter. However, Bryson Nesbitt was a bigger fantasy scorer than Morales last year, but Morales and Copenhaver are listed as the starters. Look, it wouldn't shock me at all if one of those three tight ends, Nesbitt, Morales, or Copenhaver, just caught a one-yard pass for a touchdown on the goal line because that's kind of what the Carolina tight ends do. If I was going to play one, it'd be Copenhaver because he's the cheapest. So that's pretty much how the Carolina receiver situation shakes out. As high as I am on Drake May, the guy that I'm probably going to be pairing with him is Gavin Blackwell 1, Nate McCollum 2. That's how I see it. If Tez Walker ends up getting his waiver, then absolutely smash him in every single lineup. But I don't think he's going to get that waiver. Now, UTSA is another situation that we got to talk about. We're going to talk about the Houston Cougars on the other side as well. So Houston returns two of their top three wide receivers. Zachary Franklin, who was their absolute top receiver, ended up transferring to Ole Miss, but they're bringing back Joshua Cephas and DeCorian Clark. The downside, DeCorian Clark is currently questionable for this game, and everything I can find online says game time decision, game time decision, game time decision. Well, you know what that means for me? That means about 30 minutes before kickoff, I'm going to be putting in a Twitter search DeCorian Clark's name, and I'm going to be seeing if any beat reporter, fan in a stadium, you know, Twitter account, whatever, if anybody has tweeted his availability because it's really hard to find sometimes in college football and sometimes a Twitter search or I guess I've got to call it an X search. Sometimes that is just the best way to find out injury information before kickoff. And so you got to know if the Corian Clark's playing or not. If he's playing, he's the guy I want. 
If he doesn't play, Joshua Cephas is an outstanding option because he was good last year as well. But the guy that I'm really interested in, he's the cheapest of the three of these guys, is Chris Carpenter. Chris Carpenter is now going to be the starter in the Zachary Franklin role. You know, and Zachary Franklin was the most productive of the three wide receivers there last year. So I really like Chris Carpenter's an under the radar play. I think in terms of ownership between the three of them, Cephas is probably going to be the highest owned because A, he's the most expensive, and that's what people are naturally going to click on. And B, Clark's got that big fat Q next to his name. And if that doesn't get sorted out before kickoff, then you're going to see a lot of people not playing DeCorey and Clark for that reason. If Clark were to miss time, then Tyke Ogle Kellogg is listed as his backup. If for whatever reason Joshua Cephas, who's listed as probable, were to miss time, then McGuinn, all the way down here, $3,000, Devin McGuinn is listed as his backup. So that is the UTSA wide receiver situation. Now let's talk about the other side of the ball with the Houston Cougars. So Houston has got a very clear pecking order in their receiving core right now. It's Golden, Brown, and Manjack. All three very similarly priced, all three solid options. Golden and Brown last year, even with Tank Dell in the offense, both of them had some big-time games. Golden had two games of over 24 or more fantasy points, and then Samuel Brown also had three games over 20 fantasy points. So you're looking at guys who have big game capability and the leading target getter in their offense last year is gone. I'm absolutely all over those guys. I would have no problem this week filling out my receiving core with guys from the Texas San Antonio and Houston game and then trying to backfill with value plays after that. Now for Penn State, I do want to mention one guy because this was one that kind of surprised me. Dante Cephas was really productive at Kent State last year. If you're wondering, basically Kent State's entire program transferred away. Um, But anyway, he was very productive last year at Kent State. And he probably, I thought heading into camp, was going to be a starter in this Penn, Penn State offense. But he's not listed as a starter. Lambert Smith, Evans, and Wallace are listed as the starters. But just know that Cephas, even though he's listed as a backup, has big play capability, was a really talented receiver in the MAC, and I think he does have a chance to come in and pay off that price tag. All right, so like I said earlier, that is it for the college football DFS preview Saturday night slate. I know I didn't get to everybody, but I think I got to some of the most notable situations, some of the situations that I want to make sure I get in my lineups on the Saturday night slate. If you want more of me, remember, you can follow me on X at Mike's Money Picks. Um, We're going to have a lot of good discussion in the Fantasy Corner Discord. And if you want to see my long-form articles, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Now, I do apologize for the voice on this episode. I, I taught a full day of high school math, coached the high school JV football game. Not exactly good for the voice coaching JV football. So hopefully, you know, you guys were able to get what I was saying. Hopefully the episode, the audio still turned out pretty good. But week one, the analysis is in the books. If there's anything else that I'm going to be talking about this way, I'm, I'm, or this weekend, I should say, not this slate. If there's anything else I'm going to be talking about with college football this weekend, I'm going to be putting it up on I'm going to call it Twitter, at Mike's Money Picks. So give me a follow. I'll have my slate thoughts for the Sunday and Monday slates um, on there. Um, I know I didn't have episodes for those. So, yeah. Anyway, that does it for this episode, y'all. Thank you guys for watching. Hopefully, I was able to give you guys um, plenty of information that will help you win with your DFS lineups here on this slate. If you like what you saw, hit the like button on YouTube. It shows me a lot of support and helps me out a lot. If you're listening on audio, rate and review. 
It really does help me out a lot. And if you really like what you saw, hit the subscribe button. It's free, costs you nothing, and you'll be notified when new episodes drop like the rest of our weekly college football content all season long, as well as our weekly golf and NFL content and college basketball when it comes back as well. All right. Thank you guys for watching or listening. Best of luck to you all weekend long in DFS. I cannot wait to be sitting in front of a TV, eating some wings and watching some college football and sweating out all my lineups. So hope you guys have a great weekend and I will see you guys next time.